Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to another edition of Summer Reading Series 2018 on Right on the Road. Today I've got with me the beautiful Darry Fraser. Hi, Darry. Hi, Melinda. How are you? I'm going really, really well. Now, Darry, the reason I've got you on here this summer is because you have the most amazing new book out. I do have a book out, Where the Murray River Runs. Okay, tell us all about it. This is your your two seconds of fame on Rider on the Road and I can thoroughly recommend this book, everybody. And we have the author herself who is about to sing its praises, Darry. How much fun did you have writing this one? Uh, I did actually have quite a lot of fun writing this one because there's a very thin uh, connection between this one and Daughter of the Murray. And so to be able to build the the characters around that connection and and um, make things work was really challenging. But at the same time, because it has an, in, well, I think an interesting premise, um, uh, I, I did have fun going round and round and round and finally coming out at the end, which was lovely. Well, you can't. You've got to tell us a bit more than that, woman. Everyone, Darry <laughs> wrote her beautiful first um, book in the series. I don't think they're even a series. They could be standalone. You can correct me on that if you want to, Darry. Um, but it was uh, set on the Murray River, and it was an historical romance. Now, this second one, uh, how does it fit with the first one? And can you give us a little bit of an idea about what it's about? Yes, Daughter of the Murray um, was classed as a fast-paced adventure romance and this one has a tag, a 19th century story of greed, honour and overwhelming love. And uh, Lindley Seymour, Miss Lindley Seymour, uh, has been in love with the hero, Ard O'Rourke, for a lot of years and um, she learns that he's fathered a child by another woman so she's not feeling too good about all that. Ard has gone off on his adventures to make a... Uh, a life for himself to get himself back on track um, in the midst of terrible drought and terrible depression in the 1890s on the river. Uh, But Lindley and her aunt Cece run a women's refuge and Lindley finds herself unexpectedly the guardian of that baby. Uh, So the baby needs her protection because its father doesn't know it exists. And away we go. And away we go. Now, what a way to spend your day at the beach, guys, reading this story. Now, Where the Murray River Runs and Daughter of the Murray, they both have really fantastic covers, and that's what attracted my eye to them, Darry. Uh, who does your covers? Uh, Harlequin Mira outsourced the covers, and uh, I must admit they have come up with two spectacularly beautiful uh, covers, and uh where the Murray River runs, um, the woman on the front is exactly my heroine. Then we see more red hair and freckles. Exactly. They were, they, they worked their magic with this one, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, I know, Darry, you have another one coming out, and it's third. I'm not sure if it's third in the series, but that is in 2019, is it? 2018, in November 2018, the next one that's contracted is coming out. It doesn't have a title as yet. But it has a connection to where the Murray River runs and it's set 40 years earlier uh, at the end of the uh, Eureka Stockade debacle. Uh, It's not about the goldfields, it's not about Eureka, but it's set right at the foot, if you like, of the stockade itself. 
So uh, that one's due out in, uh, well, this time next year. Yeah. Now, I'm really excited for Darry, everyone. Uh, when I interviewed Darry on the podcast, ought to be, I'd have to be close on 12 months ago. We'll have to check that one, Darry, but I'll put the link up, everyone, so you can have a listen. Uh, Darry was very nervous because she suddenly turned into an overnight success for a book that took nearly <laughs> 20 years to write. Uh, Darry, what was some of the feedback on that first one, uh, feedback on The Daughter of the Murray? Uh, just about everybody I speak to, and I get stopped in the street, I get emails, uh, all different sorts of things. They all tell me that I sat up all night reading and I couldn't put it down. So that has been the most amazing feedback for me, and uh, the most that is that is what I hear the most from Daughter of the Murray. So I'm absolutely thrilled to bits with that. Yeah, unput downable, everybody. Now, if you do go back and listen to that podcast, Darry has quite a story of her own to tell. Darry, you're quite involved there on Kangaroo Island on in the theatre scene, aren't you? Uh, yes, that's right. We have a little uh, KI theatre trip and uh, we had a lay year this year, but next year we're putting on a play and its name escapes me right at the minute. But... Um, Yes, fully involved in that, so hopefully the creative juices will be flowing. Yeah, so Derry lives quite a creative life, everybody. Derry, how much time would you devote to your writing each day? Uh, these days, every spare minute I get, when the washing's not calling, when the vacuuming's not calling, so I do have a day job that I go and, and uh, mix with people in the 21st century as opposed to the 19th century, and... Uh, really, every spare minute. So I would say, on average, uh, when I can, six to eight hours a day. Yeah. So, everyone, if you ever look at uh, some of our beautiful Australian overnight success authors, sometimes there's a little bit going on behind the scenes that there's a reason the rest of us don't write novels at the pace that these guys do, and it's because we don't devote, devote six to eight hours a day uh, to these things. Now, Derry, you had that wonderful idea for Daughter of the Murray. How much more quickly are your ideas coming to you now? If, because the last time you and I talked, you had one book. Now you've got three uh, yes, it's an interesting thing. Uh, hanging on all those years uh, before Daughter of the Murray finally saw the light of day meant that I could uh, practice my craft, if you like. So once Daughter of the Murray hit the uh, the public and hit her straps, I was able to see where my uh, strengths uh, lay, if you like, and I was able to springboard off it felt like writing Daughter of the Murray and having that um, full story ready to go. So where the Murray River runs and then this next one um, has really just leapt from Daughter of the Murray's platform. So uh, I've been able to draw on, I suppose, my, my, my great love of Australian historical, Australian history and um, happily started to weave it into fictional stories. Yeah. Now, everyone, I know this is Summer Reads, but I just want to touch a little bit on that wonderful research that you do, Derry, just to fill in our summer summer listeners. Uh, you can really get hooked on the research side of things, can't you? Absolutely. You can spend hours and hours and hours going down what they call a rabbit hole. Um, and some of the time, um, it's very difficult to find references of what you need. For instance, in Where the Murray River Runs, um, Inley is a young single woman, never been married, never had a child. So how does she feed this very young baby in the 1890s? Um, so, yes, we have wet nurses, but did we have pinned milk then? Did we have something she could carry somehow or other? So trying to find references to 
um, uh, milk to carry for babies or, or food that they might have been able to carry with them as they journeyed around was, was quite interesting, especially if you weren't the mother, the birth mother of that child. So things like that took me hours to work out and hours to find, and yet it's probably only got a two-line reference in the book. Uh, now, that's a, that's a little writing tip, isn't it, that you actually need to know the whole story only to use a tidbit, otherwise it comes across as inauthentic. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, everyone, uh, we will... Uh, Tia Cooper, I was speaking to Tia uh, on the podcast only recently, Darry, and she talked us through all the history that she researches when she writes her beautiful historical Australian novels as well. Now, I noticed in yeah. your acknowledgements in the back of this, uh, one of these books, did you mention Tia? Is Tia a writing buddy of yours? No? Um we, we talk to each other on Facebook about different bits and pieces, but not so much history as, um, as, as how to and how our nerves are going and certain things like that. Um, but no, I don't think tears in the acknowledgements, no. Yeah. yeah. Now, is it interesting that our Australian writers are quite a close-knit bunch, aren't they? Or aren't you? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we... Yes, <laughs> short answer. Yeah, and your fans, uh, now you've had a taste of infamy with this first book, what kinds of things do they want to know from you? The uh, the, the readers? Yeah, your readers, yeah, because you've been on, I'm assuming you've been on a book tour? Um, yes, um, I have. Um, a lot of it's to do with research. Um, a lot of people are a bit worried that I might not live and work in the area, so how could I possibly write about the area? But um, I did spend um, a little time as a kid on the river, and I just feel like I have an affinity for it. So a lot of what I get asked on a per- in a personal sense is, um, you know, why do I want to write about this so much? Um, and I guess a part of the answer to that is also because at the moment the Murray River is in trouble and we all need to keep it in focus. Oh yeah now for everyone who's listening outside Australia the Murray River is one of our biggest rivers here in Australia and it's been I guess the focus of writers uh, microscopes for many many years now I know in our interview we talked about Nancy Cato are you finding that uh, Nancy Cato's names comes comes up from time to time when you when you're out there promoting your books? And not unless I bring it up, which is um, surprising, but um, happily in another sense too, because that was one of my absolute terrors 30 years ago when I when I finished Daughter of the Murray. Um, I thought that if I tried to put it anywhere, people would think I'd plagiarised Nancy Cato's All the Rivers Run. So um, actually nobody really refers to it. So it's funny that that might have been a fear of mine that over all those years has actually held me, held me back. Yeah, now everyone, you may have to be as old as me to remember Nancy Cato. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Now, where you write, uh, this is something that I'm asking every one of my um, summer reading authors, where do you write, paint us a picture of the romantic Darry Fraser sitting in her attic um, churning out her novels? Oh, well, I'd have to tell great big fibs if you wanted romantic. Um, (laughs) I'm sitting in what would be the third bedroom in a small home. I have quite a large computer screen. Um, I'm sitting in the only cleared space in and around the desk and uh, I have a, a lamp and I basically tap away at the keyboard and stare at that screen for as long as my 
bottoms in the seat. Yeah, so there you go, everybody. Secret to being a an infamous author is bum on seat and writing for six to eight hours a day. Uh, so it's not as romantic as we all make out, but the novels that come out of it certainly are. Uh, Darry, who influenced you as a writer? Loads and loads and loads of people. I think anybody who has told a great story, like a story I read every couple of years, is Gone with the Wind. Uh, I read Mists of Avalon, um, Marion Zimmer Bradley. Um, I, I read Jeffrey Deaver, so he's mystery thrillers and suspense. Uh, I think, and what I often tend to do, right now I'm reading Sue Grafton's Why is for Yesterday. I, I look at people's style and I, I see, I ask myself, well, how did I do that? And then I, how did they do that, rather? And then I have to bring myself back to immersing myself in the story and being a reader and not being a writer. So I think overall the influences have been incremental um, at the same time as, um, uh, you know, offering me uh, entertainment and an escape uh, as well. Yeah, and and to learn to write everybody, the best way to do it is to study the great writers, uh, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, style changes over the years and over the decades. So what, what might have been right to do style-wise in your writing might not be uh, so right to do now. So you have to read a lot to keep up with what's out there and how people are um, setting their um, language on, on paper, so to speak. Um, a lot of the times being an historical uh, writer, you you really must find... Uh, you really must have your research as up-to-date as it can be for the language of the day, um, which actually doesn't change. It's just how you present that uh, in the style that does change. So you've got to be careful there too. Yeah, and it's really interesting, everybody. These these things all take time. I know we talk about Trove as being a great resource uh, that we can access with a click of a button nowadays. Yes, that's true, and that's been an excellent resource for me. Again, you can just lose hours and hours just uh, trolling through troves, looking for the bits and pieces that you might need, and you come up with all sorts of storylines that you could uh, use as long as you jot down (laughs) what you thought of at the time. Otherwise, that's gone as well. (laughs) So trove is marvellous. Yeah, and that, and look, everybody, we could talk about writing forever and ever, but I've got to remember that it's summer reading series, and I have to keep my focus on reading. Darry, what are you going to read over the summer? Oh boy, I've, I've got a bit of a list. Um, uh, a couple of reference books that I'm going to go over again, and one of them is The Forgotten Rebels of Eureka by Dr. Claire Wright. It's an excellent book if anybody's looking for. Uh, women on the goldfields uh, in the 1850s to 60s. Um, catch up with a number of contemporary writers that have got their new books out at the moment. Um, Taya Coopers is certainly one of them. Um, let me think. Uh, look, there's quite a number. I, I can't quite put my finger on on anybody uh, right at this minute, but certainly um, there's a lot of new releases out there that I'm keen to catch up on. Gosh, I'll have to send these questions out to everybody in advance, Wayne, I so that everyone has their list <laughs> ready for me. Now, I do have The Forgotten Rebels of Eureka on my on my shelves as we speak, Derry. One of the things that I've ah. noticed writing uh, over the last few years especially is there are some really wonderful women academics out there really delving into Australian history and putting uh, our women pioneers at the forefront. A marvellous um, decade, the 1850s to 1860s, because um, the goldfields 
well, you could say literally forced the men to, to work for the gold, but it also meant that the women had to try and earn money to, to keep up. So it was almost as if the goldfields environment allowed women to go and uh, dig for gold or puddle for gold um, and keep their own purses, keep their own um, earnings. And also at one point when the uh, licence fee was abolished and the miners' right came about, um, there was actually no gender-specific uh, uh, title on the miners' right. So it could have occurred that women may have got the vote right then in the 1850s, uh, the right to vote. So um, things were very short-shifted at the time when the powers that be, the male powers that be, realised that they hadn't made the miners' right gender-specific, as in male miners' rights. And that gave uh, them the poor working man a right to vote in the elections, but it still didn't give the poor working woman a right to vote. And so by the end of the decade, she had missed out on the opportunity of voting and she had also decided to turn her back on earning for herself and go back into the family home. It's really, really a very interesting decade for women. Yeah, and weaving that into your novels, you you research and find a lot more than you're going to use. So do you find that you sort of tip that over into a file that might um, come in handy for your next book? Uh, possibly. The, the next book, I hope, will be back in the 1890s. But, of course, the, the everything that happened for women in the 1890s came from the 1850s and 60s. So... so it, as long as that information is ticking over in the back blocks of my head, uh, it'll it'll come and normally it comes forth in a character's dialogue rather than their thinking space, if you know what I mean. So the dialogue actually gives that authenticity to the information that you're trying to put across to the reader. Uh, so um, yes, uh, that information will come back uh, through the um, uh, character's personalities. Yeah. Okay, so you just got a few writing tips in there too, everybody. So 2018 is going to see you at your desk for the next, um, I guess, the next little while, six, eight hours a day. You, ha- you haven't given up? You ha- you're not sick of it yet? No, no, no. I've got my ball and chain and, and uh, I, I sit in that seat. And even, you know, even if people want to know about this um, writer's block, that that you can experience, um, and I'm, and there is a feeling of also being burnt out that you you have to watch out for. But if you put your bottom in that chair and you're you're focused on your story, it it will come. So that's my that's my 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 total focus when I sit down is words on paper, so to speak. Yeah, and that's um Darry's tip for the rest of us, I'm sure, to take away and take into 2018 because, Darry, our year of writing excellence is coming up and we're all really excited about it. So I might get you back on onto the podcast to have a chat about that very thing, about the way to write is to write. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And and only, yep. Yeah, that's right. There's only one way to do it. Yeah. Really, only one way to do it. All right. Where the Murray River runs, and it, he, he, on the front cover it says, everyone, he is her soulmate, a pity she will never forgive him. So I like that already. I'm already hooked. Uh, Darry, thank you. Where can we find you and your books? Uh, certainly at all your e-retailers or your book retailers, um, uh, Dimex, Big W, any, anybody like that, um, online for your Kindle um, or your e-books. Um, 
anywhere where you go to find your 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 books. Oh, we're going to have to train a better, aren't we, everybody? I found my copy in Big W, piles and piles of it, right front and centre at Big W, everyone. And on Darry's website, if you go and have a look there, you can find other places to buy that and her first book. And she's got this wonderful big sign up there saying, Proudly Kangaroo Island. For all our international <laughs> listeners, it's really exciting. She lives in one of those beautiful places in the world, Darry, don't you? I do. I certainly do. Yeah. Lovely. Okay, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. That's another edition of a Summer Reading Series 2018, and we'll see you all next week. Uh, bye for now, and bye from Derry. Thank you, Melinda. Bye-bye. Bye.